I've been seeing a theme in the last few weeks on what pastor has been preaching on and the messages that have been coming across the pulpit. And it seems like God's reminding us that just because we're Christians doesn't mean that life is just going to be roses and cupcakes. As much as I like cupcakes, it's not reality. (laughs) Um, So as I was studying and praying about what I should preach about, because as much preparation as I got was a Facebook message that said, will you preach? And I said, when? And pastor said, men's camping. I said, okay, sure. And then I put my phone away and went, now what? (laughs) But it was well. Um, And as I was meditating on it, and I didn't write a thing down, I just was praying about, okay, God, what am I supposed to talk about? What? What is on your heart right now? And the words, it is well, kept coming to mind. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's great. You know, thank you for those words. But, and I thought, well, I've heard messages about that. Pastor Jerry has preached at a ladies' breakfast about that. Uh, there's even songs that are written about it with that theme. But it wouldn't leave me alone. So I got out my Bible, actually my Bible's. And I decided to research and meditate and study a little bit on what it was. And so that's how I landed up here. So first I'm going to start with a little history lesson. Most of you probably know there's an old hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by Horatio Spafford. And there was a series of traumatic events that brought on the writing of that song. First, his only son died of scarlet fever. And then, uh, within a very short time frame, he lost everything and was ruined financially in the Great Chicago Fire of 1870. He was a successful lawyer, and he owned lots of property, land, um, buildings. So a fire would have, it devastated him financially. Uh, They planned a vacation to, to Europe. I guess they needed to get away. And... He needed to finish up some business and stuff, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and his daughters. And while he was there, he got a, he got a telegram. I was like, what did they call them back then? Telegram saying, sole survivor, and it was from his wife. Their ship sank, and his wife survived, and his four daughters died. So within four or five years, he lost his son, he lost his finances, he lost his possessions, and he lost his daughters. And so he finished his business, and he went to Europe to his wife, because that's where his wife was now. And they passed by the spot where his daughters had died, and the ship sank. And he was inspired to write this song, the hymn. And in it, he talks about how even with all these things going on in his life, he had peace, and he knew that the Lord was with him. And he would see his family again. He even put in a line that said, that praised the Lord. It didn't complain about it. He praised the Lord. And he said, it is well with my soul. How can he praise the Lord with all these terrible things happening to him? I believe it's because he knew his God. And he knew the price that Christ had paid for him. And even if all these terrible things were happening to him, he knew God was still faithful. Um, when I was reading it, also said later they had, I think, three or four more children. So, you know, they lived, moved on with their life. But 
but it was it's it's an old hymn but it does it's been redone by many bands and different things because it's true we need to say it as well i dare say that we lose our peace when the tim hortons line is too long never mind if sorry did that hit a little close to home <laughs> i live in plum coulee i don't get tim hortons on sunday morning so never mind if we face some real challenges So I'm going to talk today about some ways to help us to remember that it really is well. I'm going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. And I read it in tons of versions, but today I'm going to read out of the King James Version. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him a bed, a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, call her. So, and when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. I like this story a lot. But the first point I'm going to pick out of there, I'm going to stop now, is number one, she showed honor. She honored the man of God. This woman decided that Elisha must be a man of God and decided to honor him. Verse 8 says she was a great woman. So I looked up the word great because I was like, well, we use the word great a lot. Oh, this supper was really great. But I kind of had a feeling that wasn't what they meant. And one of the definitions is remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. Or chief or preeminent over others. So this makes me think that she was in such a position that people would notice when she did something. It kind of reminds me of the Proverbs 31 woman. I don't know if you remember the Proverbs 31 woman, but it said she bought land and she sold land and she kept her household and she ran it with with authority. And I kind of think that this woman kind of was in that position. She talked to her husband and they put an addition on the house just so that Elisha would have somewhere to sleep and study when he passed through. She had no expectations. She had no rules about when he could stay or go. It was strictly to honor Elisha. In my reading, I don't think they even used that room for anything else. I think it was just his room. 
So now when some time had passed and Elisha felt he should do something for her, he got Gehazi to go get her. And because of the honor this woman showed the man of God, Elisha wanted to bless her. And I believe it's because of the honor that she showed him. I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our lives and all the things we need or want that the challenges we're facing or the challenges we're facing that we forget what our true place here on earth is. We talked about that in prayer, actually. We're so us-focused that we forget about the things we're supposed to be doing. There's no point in, you know, getting all this word in us if we're not going to share it with anybody. We all face challenges at one point or another. And this woman, obviously she'd never had children. That would be a challenge in your life. I'm sure she had other challenges, but she just chose to honor the man of God. Years ago, Dave and I had a word, and in that word, um, the man of God said, uh, he asked where we were from, and we said Plum Cooley, and he said, oh, great. Plum Cooley needs good people. (laughs) And um, he said, I want you guys to put yourself in a place where you can honor your pastors, where you can do what they need to be done, do what the church needs, do those things. And when you position yourself like that, the things you need, your family, your vehicles, your house, your finances, they'll just be there. You don't have to search after those things. They'll just be there. And it's a word that we've held on to, and I believe it's a word not just for us, and I'll tell you why. Because 1 Samuel 2.30 says that those who honor the Lord, he will honor. That's a word for everybody. Do what God is asking you to do, and you won't have to seek after all the other things. Oh, I need this, I need that. They'll just be there when you need them. Oh, hey, we need more groceries. And what do you know? Someone gave us a 20-pound bag of potatoes. Potatoes will feed you for a long time. You could do a lot of things with potatoes. <laughs> you know, it could start as simple as that, or it can be as big as, you know what, I don't need my car anymore. Would you like it? What do you want for it? Well, I'm, I'm just going to bless you with it. Oh, Okay. You know, we don't know how God's going to bless us. That happens. I believe that that's what happened to this Shunammite woman. Gehazi called her in, and Elisha said, what do you need? And she said, I don't need anything. And it was Gehazi who later said to, um, later said she doesn't have a son or any children. And when Elisha told her she would have a baby, she said to him, don't lie to me. And I believe she was very firm about that because that's a big thing to tell someone when they haven't had children. Don't lie to me. And personally, I think she was okay with her life. She had, she, it said she was a great woman. I think she was okay in the way her life had become. And the idea that Elisha would be teasing her with that would be enough to, to cause her some hardship. And I think she got right in her face, in his face and challenged him when she said, don't you dare lie to me. <laughs> and I, in my head, because I imagine things like this sometimes, I imagine Elisha, after she left, I imagine Elisha going, okay, God, you told me to tell her that, but you better come <laughs> I don't know that he did that, but that's what I think. Like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> it's my butt on the line now. And of course, God did. She had a boy. So I'm going to start at verse 18. 
When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to the lad, to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. My first point was honor the man, show honor. My second point is be quiet. <laughs> when things went wrong, she kept her mouth shut. So what happened? Seriously, she had a son. He grew up, went to work in the field with his dad. He gets a headache. Dad sends him home. He sits with his mom and dies. That's not supposed to happen. That's not the way it was supposed to go. This was a promised, this was a promised son. This was, you know, a fulfillment of a prophecy. I don't think he would have just promised her a son for eight years or ten years or however many, how old he was. It just said he was grown enough to go out to the field with his dad. In that day, they went a lot younger than we do. Ask anyone. Your children are not supposed to die before you. It's never okay. Nobody wants their kids dying before them. So what does she do? <clears throat> doesn't mention a thing about wailing or weeping. She doesn't run to the neighbors. She doesn't activate the prayer chain. <laughs> she carries him upstairs to Elisha's bed. Remember I said I don't think they used it for anything else. She put him on the man of God's bed, lays him down, and then she goes to her husband and says and asks for a donkey and a servant. She didn't even tell him their son was dead. It doesn't, if you look in your Bible, it does not say she told him. He asked, he asked, why, why do you want to go see the man of God? In that day you went like on the Sabbath or on holidays or special feasts or whatever. You didn't just go whenever. And she just said, it shall be well. She didn't tell him. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this woman had learned that lesson somewhere along the line. She did not speak anything that was contrary to the belief that her son was going to be raised to life. <laughs> we were talking just before about what are we speaking? What are we saying? I know in my own life how difficult that can be sometimes to not speak out the way I feel or the way things look because that's what's right here. We need to speak out what the Bible says, what's happening there. We don't need to be speaking out the things that are feeling like. Feelings will leave. Things will change. We need to speak out what the Bible says. Speak life. We all face challenges and struggle, but we need to remember that we need to speak life all the time. Mark 11 says we need to say to the mountain, be removed. It doesn't say talk about the mountain. Pastor talked about that just this week, actually, I think on Tuesday. It doesn't say, tell everyone else about the problem. It says to say to the mountain, be removed. So she said to her husband, 
it shall be well. And she and the servant took off. Her husband is working in the field. He has no clue what's going on at home. So I'm going to start at verse 24 again. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came into the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? So the first point is show honor. The second one is be quiet. The third point is be God-minded. She immediately went to the man of God. Like I said earlier, this Shunammite woman did not run to the neighbors or send for a sister-in-law or a best friend. She already knew in her heart that the answer to her problem would be with Elisha. Instead of beginning to prepare her son's body for burial or spend hours weeping and wailing, she ran to the man of God. She even told her servant, do not slow down. I would venture to guess that if her husband was an old man, she wasn't that young either. (laughs) She could have been in that day, but she already has a 10-year-old, so she's not a teenager, let's just say that. She said, do not slow down. I was reminded of how important that is, that fact. We have the Holy Spirit with us now. And we can go straight to Father God. But in that day, they only spoke through the prophets. We have even less of an excuse for avoiding God when we get into trouble. Yet we do it all the time. All the time. One thing I reiterate over and over to youth is that if you make mistakes in life or run into challenges and hardships, which you will if you're breathing, then run to God, not away. Because if you make one mistake, you tell a lie, it's easy to run back to God. But if you've told 500 lies, you don't know how to get yourself back there. He is the one with the answers. No one else can help you like God can. No one else is there in the middle of the night when you're crying because of the hard things you're going through. This woman knew that without the man of God, her son wouldn't have even been hers in the first place. So if she was going to get him back, she knew exactly where she needed to go, and she didn't waste any time getting there. Prayer and spiritual warfare should not be the last thing we do. Pastor, like I said, this has totally tied in with everything Pastor's been preaching lately, and he talked about how important prayer is. Prayer needs to be back in our church. It needs to be at the forefront. Not, it doesn't need to be, it's not a side dish, it's the main course. Well, the word is the main course, but <laughs> it's not an option. I believe this woman even had a sense of peace about her. 
She told her husband all would be well. She told Gehazi, the servant, it is well when he asked about her family. Hebrews 11.35 talks about women like this Shunammite woman. It says that because of their faith, women received their loved ones back from the grave. She had complete faith that the man of God that spoke to her about conceiving her child could just as easily bring that same child back to life. It was not until she could throw herself at Elisha's feet that she let the distress inside of her out. The one who could help her. It's okay to be honest with God. In fact, I think he would really like it for once. This woman even yelled at Elisha. At least that's how I imagine it. Remember I said I imagine how these stories happened? Because she let Elisha know that she did not ask for this boy and she had told him not to lie to her. And now her boy is lying dead in his bed at her house. And I think she was probably, well, she threw herself at his feet. I can't imagine that would be a very calm encounter. I think she would have been pretty upset. Sometimes we need to lay the facts out on the table, but not to everyone. Because remember, until she got to Elisha, she told all that she met it was well. Different versions said, everyone's fine. Everyone's fine. It's well. Because we don't need to be telling everybody all of our dirty problems. Not dirty, but like our challenges and our dilemmas. It was once that she reached that safe place that she was honest with what the problem was, honest with herself, and honest with the man of God. Because let's be honest, her son is dead. Like, she's not, you can't get away from that. Her son is dead. But it wasn't until she was with the man of God that she voiced that. Sometimes when we face challenges, we don't want to be honest. Some people feel the need to tell everybody what's going on, the doom and gloom in their lives, all the challenges, everything. Others keep it bottled up inside. They don't tell anybody. They just tell everyone for their whole life that everyone's fine. Neither one of those things is what God wants us to do. He wants us to run to him and be honest with him because that's when the healing can start. That's when he can start to put the pieces back together. I don't know anyone more capable of helping us in whatever situation we are. We need to stop being afraid to ask God for help. That's what he's, among other things, that's one of the reasons why he's there. Verse 29. Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. 
Wherefore he went again to meet him, and he told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands, and stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up, stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Number four, we need to be determined. She, the Shunammite woman, would not be left out of the restoration process. Elisha was going to send Gehazi, and, and she says, Oh, no, I, you are not leaving me behind which I don't think any mother would have been okay with. After she poured out her heart and her dilemma to Elisha, Elisha decides to send Gehazi with his staff to do the job. And she says, you're not going without me. So they all go, but Gehazi's faster. He gets there, he does what Elisha had told him to do, and it doesn't work. None of them stopped or gave up just because Gehazi came back and said, oh, it didn't work. They kept pushing forward. When I was doing research or studying about this, I, I found this very interesting. But I think Elisha was undaunted by the task at hand because he knew that Elijah had also brought a young boy to life. That's in First Kings 17. If you remember, Elisha, Elijah was first, and then Elisha was, came after him, and he asked for the double anointing of whatever Elijah had. And Elijah said, if you're there when I die, then you'll receive that anointing. So I think Elisha knew the things that had happened in Elijah's life because he had been there. So Elisha was tenacious enough that he, like I said, he told Elijah he wanted double anointing. So when he died, Elisha got that. So when the Shunammite woman came and told him that her son was dead, he could say, yeah, we can do this. Because Elisha had history. If I say to Tana, there's a 50-pound bag of concrete outside, I want you to pick that up and carry it into my garage. She would probably look at me and go, that's almost more than what I weigh. And she would probably not move and be like, can we get somebody else to do it? Now, if I said, there's a 10-pound bag of sugar in my car, can you carry that inside? She'd probably be like, yeah, I can do that. I've done that before. I've done that lots of times. And she wouldn't hesitate. I think with Elisha, it was kind of like that. Because Elijah was his mentor. And Elijah had already raised a boy to life. So when this woman came, he went, okay, well, we can do this. We've got to do what's got to be done. And so they went. This very reason is why we mark the answers to prayer in our lives. If Tana knows she can carry a 10-pound bag of sugar, it's no big deal if I ask her to do it again. She could probably carry a 15-pound bag because she knows she can carry the 10, so a 15-pound wouldn't be that much more. 
Now, if you want to jump straight to the 50-pound bag, you might be in trouble. But this is why we mark the answers to prayer in our lives. Write them down. Remember them. The times where God came through, where it was an answer to prayer. It was because of that David could say to King Saul, well, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. I'll just kill this guy too. (laughs) You know, he's in my way. I'll just take care of him. He knew this and he had this confidence because of his past accomplishments. Elisha didn't need to spend a week in prayer and fasting to be ready. He knew that if God raised the boy for Elijah, he'd raise the boy for him. And Elisha could set his faith on that. And the Shunammite woman knew that it was only by faith in God that she conceived in the first place, and that same faith could bring her boy back to life. So we need to use our answers to prayer to help grow our faith so that when the challenges come, we don't get overwhelmed by them. We don't get taken out at the knees because of these things. We can say, no, I killed my lion. I killed my bear. This one is just one more thing. Or maybe it's, I killed my mouse and I killed my rabbit. I can manage the gopher. (laughs) You know, because sometimes I don't think we're till lions and bears yet. (laughs) It just feels like it. Mosquitoes and flies, yeah. Oh. (laughs) Remember the good things that God has already done for us so that when we're facing a new challenge or obstacle, it's not overwhelming. It's not a big thing. Elisha also didn't give up. The boy didn't come to life the first time he prayed. Oops. He kept going. And then life came. It says he did what he knew to do, and then he got up and walked around. I don't think he was just walking. I think he was praying. And then he went back, and he did it again. There was some commentary that said they think he sneezed so much because he had complained of a headache, so it was a head something or other, and he sneezed. I said, I figured, I don't know why he sneezed, but he was alive. (laughs) You don't sneeze when you're dead. He kept going, and then life came to that situation. We cannot give up. I said at the beginning, Pastor has been talking about how the trials come, but we cannot give up in the middle of a trial. This boy would have been buried in the ground in a few days' time if his mother and Elijah had given up. Daniel 10 talks about how Daniel was going through a challenge and he had been in prayer and fasting for over three weeks and finally an angel shows up in his vision. And the angel tells Daniel, don't worry, I left heaven the day you started praying. But I kind of got hung up fighting a battle on the way over. But I'm here now. That's my translation. What if Daniel had stopped praying the day before that? Or the week before that? And been like, you know what? prayed for two weeks already. This Nothing is happening here. He would have never showed up. The angel would have never showed up. His answer was on the way. We need to be determined. When a mother is laboring and delivering a baby, she can't give up halfway through. 
everybody will die. She needs to keep going. In the same way, we need to pray through until we get our answers. Fervent, effectual prayers availeth much, according to James 5. Just because the doctor gives you a certain report or the bill collector is calling doesn't mean it's the last word. Pray the situation through. Maybe it's your marriage. Just because things look rough doesn't mean it's the last word. Whatever it is, maybe your kids are driving you right near the brink and you don't know what they're going (laughs) to... I saw that look over there. (laughs) It's not the last word. Pray it through. Don't stop. 2 Kings 4.36 And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said... Take up thy son. Then she went in, fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, and took up her son and went out. So, number one, show honor. Number two, be quiet. Don't tell everybody about your problems. Number three, be God-minded. Run to God. Don't run away. Number four, be determined. And the last one, be thankful. This came up in prayer today, too. My notes could have been there, I guess. She did not forget to be thankful after she had her answer. When the boy came back to life, they called his mother in. She didn't run to her boy. She ran straight to the man of God's feet and thanked him and bowed herself to the ground. I don't know about you, but if my son was just raised to life, I would probably want to go grab him first. Honestly, I don't know that I would remember to go thank God first. She did. She knew where her answer had come from. And she knew she had something to be thankful for. And after she gave thanks, she gathered up her son and left. Too often we pray through a situation, get our answer, and run off without two words to God. We pray, 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 pray until we've prayed it through. Like I said before, pray it through. We pray it through, and then we run off. Luke 17 talks about how Jesus came across the ten lepers, and he heals them, and he sends them to the priest to be declared clean because they can't come back to the community until they've been declared clean. And when they realize they've been healed, one turns back to thank Jesus and give glory to God. And verse 19 of Luke 17 says, And he said unto him, this Jesus said unto the leper, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Leprosy is an ugly, ugly disease. Things fall off, fingers, noses, feet, limbs, depending how far it's progressed. And just because he made them, he healed them, obviously, they weren't made whole. So the disease wouldn't progress any further, but they would still be missing their fingers or their nose or their feet or whatever it is that they were missing. This man came back and he said, thank you. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. I believe he was, all those things that had fallen off were made whole. He was a complete man again. One was made whole because of his attitude of gratitude. 
We need to be mindful of the one that gives us the answers to our prayers. <laughs> I had, this thought came to my mind when I was, when I was writing this out. <laughs> it's not eBay, where you pick what you want, pay them, and move on. God wants a relationship with us. Though even eBay reminds you to leave feedback. <laughs> God wants us to have relationship with him. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants to know where we're at. He wants to know the hard things, and he wants to know the good things too. He already knows it, but he wants us to tell him about it. He's standing there waiting, saying, I want to talk with you. Spend some time with me. The truth of the matter is, if you don't lose your peace, it doesn't matter how big the situation you're facing seems, Our God is bigger. So number one, show honor to the man of God. Be quiet. Don't tell everybody. Don't talk about your problems. Talk about the answers. Talk about what the Bible says. Speak that, not the problems. Be God-minded. Run to God, not away from him. If things are going bad, you know you need to spend more time with God, not less. If life is getting harder and more stressful, you need to be spending more time with God, not less. I know that myself from experience. Be determined. If I'm praying through a healing, I cannot stop until I have that doctor's report saying 100% whole. If I'm praying through a financial situation, I cannot stop until that hydro bill says zero or whatever the situation is because everybody is in a different place. If you're praying for an unsaved family member, you cannot stop until that family member, you know that that family member, you're going to see them in heaven. You can't stop. Be determined. Number five, be thankful. Don't forget to thank God for the answers. I um, read a little anonymous quote this week. An arrow can only be shot by pulling it backward. When life is dragging you back with difficulties, it means it's going to launch you into something great. So just focus and keep aiming. <laughs> and I thought I had this, I, uh, this picture of an archer, and I took archery in school, and I know how hard, how much force has to be pulled on that bow in order to get that arrow back. I had many a bruise because <laughs> I did it wrong. But that arrow is going far when I let go. It's not going to stay here beside me. It's going far. Keep focused in life. The challenges will come. We've been promised that. But remember, the correct way to go through a challenge, and we too can say, it is well. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that you are with us, that you are guiding us, you're directing us, Father. And I know that with every single challenge we face in life, that you are right here with us, Father. I thank you that you are teaching us, you are giving us that peace, that we can know that it is well, because you have said it. You have promised us that it will be well with us, Father. And I thank you that as we go throughout this week, Lord, that you go with us, you bring us back together, and that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.